You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller? I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. My choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome to another episode of Strictly Business, the podcast in which we speak with some of the brightest minds working in the media business today. I'm Andrew Wallenstein with Variety. The fast-growing teen sports empire known as Overtime just announced this week it has raised $100 million in Series D funding. To find out more about what this means for this fascinating media venture, I spoke with its CEO, Dan Porter, for this episode of Strictly Business. Stick around, and we'll be back with Dan in just a moment. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now, you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. If you struggle to get in shape and lose weight, 
I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body, and I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day, I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, and then I go crush a workout in the Body app and just follow along day by day. Before most people are even out of bed, I'm done for the day. So here's my offer to you. The next 500 people who go to body.com will get 65% off a full year of access to over 120 programs. 65% because I want you to start now and see how fast the pounds come off and the muscles start popping. And if they don't, hey, you get your money back. Just go to body.com. That's B-O-D-I.com. And let's own the morning together and get healthy and fit. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I'm talking to overtime CEO Dan Porter, who is fresh off a $100 million funding infusion. For those counting at home, that's a total of $250 million raised since overtime began in 2016. Thanks, Dan, for coming on to talk about what this new development means. Thanks for having me. So, uh, yeah, question one is obviously, what is overtime going to do with all this money? Uh, it's interesting to trace its evolution over the years, and this seems like a, a whole new place for growth. Yes. So the answer I tell the investors is we're going to invest it very carefully, wisely, and cautiously. But the actual answer is that we have kind of... We kind of started out as a almost like a pure media company, evolved into what we would describe almost more of a community. Um, we've always kind of focused on putting our audience and our fans first and at the center of what we do. And then on top of that, starting last year, uh, we've invested and launched two sports leagues, one in basketball, one in football. And so the investment of capital that we've just raised goes into continuing to grow those leagues because the number one goal of those leagues is to have a huge audience. What makes sports successful what makes anything successful is a lot of people are passionate about it and they watch it. And so operating, owning it, and then really investing in audience development uh, so that we can bring in media rights and sponsors. That's the core of what we're going to do with this money over the next two to three years. Well, you've definitely got an audience. I see the latest numbers here, 65 million followers across all the leading platforms, uh, which is tremendous. And, and we'll get to media rights in a second. But I, I want to talk more about this investment strategy. It just seems very aggressive 
a lot of money coming in. And I'm curious, what is it like in this economic climate to even raise that kind of money? Was it, was it difficult this time around? It was enormously difficult, I'm not gonna lie. I think that the level of capitalization of companies previously when interest rates were phenomenally low was very high. Early on, I had investors say, well, can I give you more money? Like, what would you do if we wrote a check for 3X instead of X? And we used to think like, we can't really spend that money. And now things have shifted the other way. So it feels like we've raised this incredible amount of money but there's an enormous pressure to make this last for a very, very long time so that you're somewhat insulated from the ups and downs of where the market is and, and where the economy is. But there's no doubt that there were people where we were talking to them in the middle of the process and they would say, hey, we love what you're doing, but our own portfolio is just getting crushed right now and we're going to either have to sit this one out or write a smaller check. And there are other people who are still investing and we're ready, but it, it, it's just, I can't even compare it to any fundraising environment I've been in the last five years. I'm sure. Uh, what was interesting about this round also, correct me if I'm wrong, Liberty Media coming in as, as the lead for the first time, uh, is, is, were they new to the table this year? They're a new investor for sure. I, I met them and I'd met uh, Robin Hickenlooper about a year and a half ago over Zoom. And so I think they had been tracking what we were doing. And uh, obviously they own the Atlanta Braves, they own Formula One. And so people who have exposure to media and sports and a huge amount of success, there's not a lot of those people, and there are not a lot of them that are also just kind of aggressive and forward thinking. So we were just like, when we were talking to them, we were very honed in because it's not it's not a big group. If you talk about venture capitalists and private equity, there are a lot of people who have money, um, but there's not a lot of people who kind of play in the lane that we play in. Sure. And of course, we should know when it comes to venture capital and the like, there, there may be no venture out there with the with a cooler group of investors over the years when you've got, I think you said 6% of NBA players like Carmelo Anthony, you've got Drake. Uh, have you continued to be this magnet for uh, A-list names from sports and entertainment? We have. Uh, we definitely, I think about it less about kind of getting checks from those folks, especially in the days when, you know, you could get checks from anybody, but almost like as partnership development. So when you talk about, oh, well, we launched a basketball league. Well, we brought in 6% of active NBA players to essentially invest and be partners. So some people will come, some people we can pick their brain, same in music, same in culture. Uh, and so being able to work with athletes, like in, in this new round, Trey Young wrote another check and he's somebody we covered when he was in high school. He's in the Atlanta market. We're in the Atlanta market. You know, he's done basketball runs at our, our venue. And so being able to build partnerships across sports and culture is really important to us. And I think at the core, you're just like, well, those people, they also follow us. Like they see us on social media. They, they see what it is. It's not like they're looking at a business plan and they have no idea who we are. Um, but it's always going to be an important part across sports and culture for us to bring in partners like that. So uh, I guess really the biggest question is you've got $100 million uh, on top of what you've already made. 
what are the next growth steps? What are what is this money going towards? Could we see yet another league uh, beyond what you've done in basketball and football? So to answer the second question first, it's possible. We're definitely in the early stage of exploration in a couple of other areas where we could launch. In general, we try to focus on very mainstream sports, sports I would describe that in a hypothetical world where you're turning the channels, which nobody really does, but for the sake of argument, if you're turning the channels anywhere in the world and it popped up, you'd know what the sport was and you didn't need to understand what the rules are to watch it or, or participate in it. Um, and I'd say a, a sport where there's an opportunity to really uh, follow kind of the development of the next generation of athlete, where there's an opportunity for athlete empowerment and where there's an opportunity for storytelling. So uh, there, there are definitely sports and aspects of sports that fit that, and there are sports that don't. So we will do that. And then on the former, um, it's about just continuing to expand and invest uh, both in basketball and football and to develop the audience around that. You know, we should explain how your company makes money, which from what I could tell is a mix of sponsorships and commerce. Uh, why at this, I guess, early stage, is that not enough to be self-sustaining? Why uh, is there still such an aggressive funding strategy that needs to be implemented to keep you guys going? I think like a lot of companies, it could be self-sustaining, but then in a way you stop growing. Like if you don't produce more content or more sports or anything else like that, you kind of hit your natural ceiling to some extent. And so if we turned off 20 faucets in the company right now, we could be break even, but we might be stuck at that size without the ability to grow because how are you essentially marketing? And for us, we don't really think of it as marketing. We think of it as you know using content and social platforms to grow. And so because the upside is so big, because sports teams and sports leagues are so incredibly valuable, there's the understanding that if you invest that money and you build something that's really big, you're gonna get a bigger return. Now, $100 million sounds like a lot of money. It's not gonna be spent in a month. It's gonna be spent over time. But audience development and passion and engagement, it's not linear. It's not like you're Starbucks or Uber and you're in one city and then you add another city and then you add another city. You've got to go out and emotionally grab fans and, and convince them or build a partnership with them to be passionate about what you're doing and remind them to tune in and all of those things like that. And so over a five-year period, it might look up and to the right, but the reality is, is it in a shorter period, it, it looks up and down depending. And, and that's even true in professional sports, you know, ratings for a championship game go through the roof. And then the next year, a less popular team plays it and the ratings go down. And so uh, you're always going to have to kind of focus and, and mitigate that. But but the end game is 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 massive. Like if you look at the different parts of culture, obviously on a global basis, sports is just a massive, massive part of culture and people's time and energy and passion. No doubt. But I I want people to understand. And, and so for you to explain to the uninitiated what 
your leagues, how they are different. Of course, you know, clearly it's a younger group. It's, you know, 16 to 19 year olds uh, that have, in the case of, uh, for instance, basketball, they've bypassed uh, maybe some of high school, some of college. They're doing this instead as their road to the NBA. But what differentiates your sports from the NFL or the NBA that makes it uniquely compelling? Yeah. So, so first of all, obviously the NBA and the NFL are elite products run by very smart people with massive, massive audience bases um, and firmly established in American culture. I, I would say for us, it's probably three things. Number one is we kind of when we're a media company and even as a sports league have focused on making more extensible kind of the 12 to 24 months, almost where you as an athlete um, exist and play and compete before you become famous, so to speak, or before you become a professional, before you become the quarterback of Ohio state or anything else like that. And that part of the equation is really fragmented and long tail. There's no really place where you can consume that. And so if you are a massive basketball fan or a massive football fan, you, you may care about watching, you know, the story be before it gets there. The same way if you're a massive music fan, you may subscribe to a lot of places, listen to podcasts, go to see a band when they're playing for 10,000 people instead of 100,000 people. Um, and we think there's a very interesting and attractive market there. The second is really focused on the empowerment, both of the athlete and the fan. Like we kind of always are asking the question, like, how is the fan first in this? How is the audience at the center of what we're doing? I think traditional sports, much like almost all of traditional media, honestly, is about taking something that's interesting, putting it on a screen and telling you to sit back and watch it. And what is your job as a fan? It's to subscribe, it's to buy a jersey, it's to buy a ticket. I think when we launched Overtime, it was clear that the audience felt that they were our partner, that they were at the center of the content. We responded to probably over 2 million direct messages and comments in our first three years. And so as we launched these leagues, we constantly say before we play a game or, you know, do a you know, make a post, how do you put the fan at the center of this? So I'll give you a small example, which is at the end of one of our basketball games, the winning team uh, walks around and essentially shakes hands or daps up or however you want to describe it, all the fans who are sitting around the court. And those fans paid $7 for a ticket. And so the idea that you might be 15 or 16 years old and some seven-foot guy is coming and saying, thanks for coming to the game, like you're shrinking the distance between the audience and that. Um, and I say that because I will say to the team, that's a metaphor for what we're trying to do on the internet. So how we can put the fan more at the center of the game, how we can talk about covering a kind of next up audience and athlete empowerment. And I'd say the third thing is all the things that we're able to do around the production of that media, which is leaning into culture as much as we can, who calls the game. You know, when we launched OT7, when you scored, we had a foam pit that you could jump into and celebrate. Every sport has its own culture. And I think that every generation wants to see that culture reflected in that sport. And while I think that traditional broadcast networks and sports 
are incredible. They they can't disappoint the traditional audience, right? They can't make something where the 40 or 50 year old audience said, I don't really understand what that is. Like, I'm happy the way I am. For us, we don't have those limitations. So we have to push ourselves in terms of creativity and social distribution. And ultimately, like we want to, you know, the final thing I'll say is like, we really want to compete and win on access. I would say that, you know, when you ask anybody in the media business about social media, they'll say, once you let the genie out of the box, once you let somebody into the locker room, once you let an athlete or a politician or a musician speak directly to their fans, nobody ever wants that to go away and go back in the day where all media consumption was mediated through a small number of channels. And for us, we, we constantly say, like, how, how do we give access? Like, we've taken training and workout and stuff with the coach and we've put it on the internet for people to watch uncut and live and so the more that you can not only empower the fan but you can give them access to the product because we own the league a team can't do that a team can't do that because the competitors to the team are going to be like oh i see what plays they're running now we're going to compete against them we're all the teams we're the whole league and so we're able to do that in a specific way. And I think that that's where we really push ourselves to offer something of unique value to the fans. We'll be back in just a moment with more with Dan Porter from Overtime. If you struggle to get in shape and lose weight, I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body, and I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, and then I go crush a workout in the body app and just follow along day by day. Before most people are even out of bed, I'm done for the day. So here's my offer to you. The next 500 people who go to body.com will get 65% off a full year of access to over 120 programs. 65% because I want you to start now and see how fast the pounds come off and the muscles start popping. And if they don't, hey, you get your money back. Just go to body.com. That's B-O-D-I.com. And let's own the morning together and get healthy and fit. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts. 
as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. And we're back with Overtime CEO Dan Porter, who is walking us through his, his I was about to say, new league, but it's, it's six years old now. And what I'm also wondering about as we talk about monetization is it's not as if the league, that's the leagues, I should say, that you're running are in how we traditionally think of leagues, which is teams in separate cities traveling to each other. Um, is that where you guys are going to go? And does fans showing up at local arenas, or in your case, you have one big complex for the basketball league in Atlanta, for football, it's in Las Vegas, but it doesn't seem like attendance at these events is sort of a significant revenue stream for you. And so I was curious about how you look at the future of all that. Correct. It's, a, it's an important distinction. We are playing for the internet. We do not have city-based teams. We're not looking to make money from parking and the sale of beer and hot dogs and season tickets and 30 local markets. We play for one stage, which is the global internet everywhere in the world. We, we obviously play in a physical location. You mentioned Atlanta and Las Vegas, but I think of those almost like you think of a sound stage. That's a place you play in front of an audience, but it's consumed everywhere. And it's a fundamentally different business model. On, on the one hand, sure, you lose the aspect to monetize on a local level. You lose local sponsors. You don't make money from parking. On the other hand, you're not flying all over the place. You're trying to mitigate costs on, on that basis. And you're also saying, like, you can be a fan of any of these teams. It has nothing to do with whether you live in Los Angeles, Boston, Brooklyn, Memphis, anywhere else like that. The, these are the potential for you on a global basis. So it's a slightly different way of thinking about it. And there's not a lot of precedent for that. If you look at your sports fandom, the vast majority of it for, for, for everybody in the United States is tied to, you know, a city where they grew up, a college that they went to, you know, or anything else like that. And we're really trying to figure out a different model uh, around that. And, and so it has, you know, cost savings, but hopefully it has a larger audience base. And then the revenue drivers are threefold. Number one, you have sponsorship. Our founding sponsors were Meta, State Farm, and Gatorade. And it also has group licensing. So we have an incredible deal with Tops. You can buy trading cards. They're available in Target and Walmart. And the third is eventually you're creating a media rights product that consists of essentially three things, live games, tentpole events. We think of tentpole events as the NBA All-Star Game or the Pro Bowl, but like we try to really create uh, a tentpole event that feels different. And the third is essentially all the storytelling around it, the, the hard knocks, the drive to survive. We we embed that in the entire league. And so our kind of consumable media product, we're trying to make something that's broader than just thinking about raw tonnage of live events. Well, but that is so to some degree counterintuitive. I mean, I get that Everything is playing out right now on the social platforms uh, and advertising comes into that. But isn't the big money to be made, at a, especially at a time where 
uh, sports is not only commanding top dollar out there from licensors, but you've got big tech companies out there just dying for good product. So I would assume, frankly, that you're you're turning your back right now on what could be the biggest revenue spigot you've got. I wouldn't say we're turning our back. I'd say we're adding a plus to the end of it. So when you talk to us about the playoffs or a live game package globally or in the United States, we're also saying like there's more than just the live games. Like we're going to create the documentary around it. We're going to create tentpole events. We're going to do other things like that. And so the overall package is potentially larger. And in a way that exists, right? The NFL draft is hugely watched and consumed. Like all the professional sports leagues have worked to create essentially tentpole moments and events in addition to the live games. We're just doing it in our own special fashion. But yeah, we think that that's going to be valuable and it's going to be a way to watch it. And we also think that there's a large opportunity for discovery based on our social platform. If we're doing billions of video views and we have tens of millions of followers, that becomes a more effective way to find and introduce us to a new fan than buying billboards or doing other things like that in the traditional marketing realm. Uh, one more question on the monetization front, which is, I think when your Series C funding came in last year, uh, NFTs uh, became part of what you were planning to do. Have you gotten to market with that yet? How are, how are you thinking about cracking that, especially at a time where the bloom may be off the rose? Yes, we've been active in the NFT space. Um, we have an NFT project called Bracket X, where we've created brackets around the NCAA tournament and NBA. And the rub was that you could sell your bracket to somebody else. So if you think about from a game design standpoint, participating in a bracket is a one-dimensional game. You fill it out, you participate, and you sit and watch. But what happens if you think that your bracket is great and you want to sell it to someone else whose bracket is is not as good. You add a second dimension to the game design. So we've been active in that space and we're going to be active in the space around the sports that we do on the NFT side. But going forward, some things are not yet announced, but the goal isn't really to sell an NFT for the sake of NFT. It's to use Web3 as a platform to continue to develop and expand the IP we have. So if Web3 is an end in and of itself, you're going to dump a lot of stuff there and you might make money in the short term. It might fall apart, as you've mentioned. But if it just becomes another tactic, if it's another distribution channel, the same way that social is a distribution channel, the same way that email is a distribution channel, I think you can get a lot of leverage from there. And, and that's really where our focus is. Well, what I'm wondering is if you're thinking about it in terms of the way some Web3 evangelists speak of how NFTs come together with IP in the sense that fans have a sense of ownership. Perhaps, you know, a typical overtime fan actually has a piece of their favorite team. Are you going that far with your thinking? I think those things are super interesting. I, we're already basically trying to do that independent of NFTs, because if you want to give fans a chance to participate and kind of own the league, like you don't want to limit it to those who just have crypto wallets. You want to you want to be able to engage fans across the board. So I think there's part of that. 
Um, and I think those things are interesting. There's a line. You can't have the fans determine who's on your team or make the calls because you're a competitive sports team and, and you want to win. Um, but there's definitely a way that Web3 facilitates a sense of ownership. And then I would add that we're just going to do some things that nobody have ever done before. And it's going to kind of blow your mind when we announce it. All right. I can't wait for that. Um, I, I also can't wait for what I think will be sort of the the transformative moment for, at the very least, your basketball league, which is, uh, I think, what, I wonder if you agree that minting sort of the next generation of stars who turn pro will be the moment that probably puts your league on the map more than anything else. And there's already a lot of hype around a, a pair of brothers known as the Thompson twins in your league um, who, when the NBA draft comes in 2023 next summer, they're probably going to be up there at the at the top picks. Uh, do you see that in terms of being sort of a big moment for the future of overtime? I do in the sense that there are a number of drivers of interest. There's no doubt that there is a part of the audience who says, I want to see the next generation of NBA or NFL players. And when you prove that that's true, look at our OT7 event, we had four of the top five ranked high school quarterbacks, all major commitments to power five schools. And that's that's interesting to people. There are other people who say, you know, I, I want to see my favorite player because I love them on the Internet and maybe they're going to go pro and maybe they're not going to go pro, but I want to see them right now. And there are other people who are going to say, like, this is my league, like that's my dad's league or that's my grandfather's league. Like I have my own thing and this is what I'm into and whether these guys go to the draft or not are immaterial. So it's not a make or break moment, but I think any new league looks for a level of validation across a number of factors. So I think that that's important, but I would also say selling out trading cards in tops and Walmart, I've walked into a number of them and we're completely sold out and you can't buy them is also a validation factor. And having, you know, a quarter of a million to half a million people watch your championship is also a validation factor. So they all matter. There's not a single kind of, you know, you know, silver bullet that makes that difference, but collectively they're valid. And and the, I'd, I'd add one other thing that I think I forgot to say earlier, which is you know, I love football, let's say, for example, and I, I do, I'm a big football fan, but I'm not so much of a fan that if I'm turning the channel and there's two professional teams or there's two college teams where I don't know a single player on that team where I'm going to be motivated to watch. I'll give you an extreme example. Montana is playing South Dakota. I don't know those schools. I don't know the teams. I don't know the players. I love football, but I don't love it so much that I'll watch something I don't know about. But to give you another extreme example, if either of my sons were playing, I would be in the front row for that. And it'd be the greatest game I'd ever watch because I love them more than I love any other player. And so the ability to tell stories and create narratives and invest the fans and those players, whether they're going to the NBA or whether they're not, I think is the game changing element. I, I worked on the new league investment team. Uh, I was a participant in that when I worked at WME, we looked at a lot of projects. And at the end of the day, if you can't make people care about the athletes and understand their stories, and that's something the Olympics does an incredible job of right now, I'm in the house with Michael Phelps and his mom and his swimming pool. And now I care about Michael Phelps, even though I can't tell you the difference between one stroke and another stroke, like that becomes the opportunity. 
And so even a lot of what gets distributed on social platforms isn't always just highlights and games. It's like the real stories of these guys that get you sucked in. The same reason you get sucked in in Last Chance You or Cheer or any of those other non-scripted shows. And that's a massive opportunity for us. And that's where we focus a lot of time and energy. You mentioned uh, William Morris being on your resume. You, you've been there in the talent agency world. And I'm curious what you picked up from your experiences there that helped inform the strategic outlook you've brought to overtime. So William Morris Endeavor, WME, which is now Endeavor, was was really the top flight platform for what I would call IP amplification. Um, they built a really team-based approach where I might sign you and you come in and now you have a team and it's about speaking and writing books and being on television shows. And it's really understanding your IP and how to take that and build that out in as many places as possible. Um, and it's been enormously successful for everyone from LeBron James to The Rock. Um, and so being able to participate in that environment and, and understand that it's not just about a league and winning and losing, but it's like, here's your valuable IP and how do you think about the amplification of the growth of that is huge. I'd say that the other thing is that I, I worked there and built the digital department at a time when, you know, YouTube went from dogs on skateboards to creators and really being able to participate and understand the creator economy and learn how the traditional agents represented movie stars and TV stars and how that kind of flowed down into representing digital talent who had their own distribution, I think was incredibly interesting. Um, and I learned a ton from the agency and honestly, I learned a ton from the clients as well. One last question, looking ahead to the next 12 months, how crucial do you think this will be in terms of the future and evolution of overtime? I would say that pulling off the two leagues was a game changer, to use a pun maybe, um, in, uh, in the sense that we all have ideas about things, but when you're actually sitting there, and you're watching a quarterback or you're in a venue and it's packed and people are screaming. And like I, I was at the championship game and like a number of people, including my own wife, was like, this was like this is what you thought about. And now it's actually real. Um, it's it's pretty incredible. And it 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 has actually nothing to do with me and everything to do with the hard work of like 100 people who are behind making that happen. Um, and so that's like you know, that's like you got halfway up the mountain from that alone, but you you can't rest there. And so the next 12 months for us, both on the, the product, on constantly refining the in-game experience, the digital experience, the social experience, the quality and level of players is massive for us. But, but it's also going to be really important for us to bring in new sponsors and new categories uh, because sponsorship is a massive, massive revenue driver. It's a multi-year deal. We want to show these brands that this is the place to be, to support your brand, to reach the audience. Um, and we absolutely need to execute on that. And so if we ended up in a year with no new sponsors and no new audience, but a couple people went to the NBA, it'd be great for them, but it wouldn't be great for our business. If we end up in 12 months with two to three new huge sponsors, 
um, and our audience has doubled, like that's that's very meaningful to us. No doubt. Well, it'll be very interesting to see what comes next for you and Overtime. Dan, thanks for talking to me today. Thanks for having me and thanks for all the tough questions. This has been another episode of Strictly Business. Tune in next week for another helping of scintillating conversation with media movers and shakers. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear future episodes. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge, now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.